Welcome, welcome, welcome to yet another episode of Screaming Into the Abyss. Today is a really special episode, actually, one that I've been really excited to record for weeks now because we're talking about one of my favorite topics, antinatalism. We're also joined by a really special guest who is an antinatalist, and we're going to be unpacking, dissecting, and spiraling as we do. Um, so we're joined by Leah, and we're also joined by Donovan. And yeah, Leah, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Okay. Hi, everyone. I'm Leah, and I'm just just a regular, regular person, I guess, that <laughs> is an antinatalist and... I just have a lot of different interests, so like we'll get into that later. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Don. Yeah, um, <laughs> I am also an antinatalist, but it's one yeah. of those things where um, I didn't know. Gang, I, gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Burr, burr, burr. I'll add the air horns. I'll add the iMovie crowd effect. Um, <laughs> antinatalism is one of those things where um, uh, it's like a phenomenon where you don't know you are something until you hear it and then you hear it and it's like I agree I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree with that <laughs> did I know what that was I taught what that word means no um, but if would you mind just like defining that for the for the good people at home who, uh, yeah. <laughs> who have no idea what that means yeah actually um, let me just do that real quick so basically until it Antinatalism is the view that it is unethical to bring new sentient beings into existence, <laughs> including humans, because life is suffering, because the vast majority of being alive is just pain and suffering. Um, this doesn't mean that antinatalists want to kill themselves, because there's a distinction between a life worth continuing versus a life worth beginning. Oh, wow. In other words, um, the question, is life worth continuing, is very different from the question, is life worth beginning? And we're not going to be addressing the question of, is life worth continuing? What we will be addressing is the question, is life worth beginning mm -hmm. in the first place? Um Oftentimes when I talk to people about antinatalism, yeah, the very there's like a few very common rebuttals and there there tends to be like arguments about semantics, so we can <laughs> just get those out the way so that we don't waste any time just like arguing about semantics. Um generally I think um antinatalists believe that there's two reasons why bringing new sentient life into existence is unethical. The first is because of the harm that it does to the individual. Like you bring new sentient life into existence and they suffer and that is therefore harmful and therefore unethical. And the second reason is because of the harm that that sentient being will do to others. So not only is life suffering for you, Life is also suffering for everyone who has to engage with you. And for those two reasons, it is unethical for you to exist to begin with. Um, antinatalism was started by a South African philosopher by the name of David Benetton. Oh, wow. Home team. You guys are, you guys are true. Well, <laughs> <laughs> he's a white man, so he's actually not home team. Oh, okay. Opposite of home team. I know. Um, He's a white man, but he's South African, so I guess gang gang. Mm. 
I think um, on the surface, antinatalism can seem like a really simple philosophy, but it is actually quite complex and there's a lot to unpack within it. But before we dive into all of that, um, I'd be interested to know for both Leah and Don, like for the both of you, when did you realize that you are an antinatalist? Were you an antinatalist before you heard the word yeah, before you heard the word, or did you hear the word and then it confirmed your views? I'm going to let you go first, Leah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so I started being an antinatalist in June of 2020. I didn't want kids. <laughs> That's a good oh, time. Yeah, yeah, That's recently, a good time. yeah, recently. It's not like it's I been a long time. I love how it's on my birthday month. <laughs> no, um, so like in high school, I know I didn't want kids, but it wasn't out of an antinatalist reason. Um, so now, like my now, I have a different reason now. What's your reason now? Well, like, well, first of all, like antinatalism is not like about everything going on in the world. It's like a secondary thing. So mm-hmm. for me, it's the basis of like we can we can come into the world, but we can't go out. Like, there's no opt out option. And like, yeah, yeah I'll, <laughs> I'll get into my euthanasia. I'll get into my euthanasia speech later, but. Um, yeah, there's yeah. no opt-out option. So, like, if I have a kid and they want to opt out, like, I can't mm-hmm. encourage that because, like, encouraging suicide That's is illegal. illegal. Yeah, so yeah. Sure. I just got to be like, well, what can we do? So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, that's, like, my reason. Like, if there's no opt-out option, then I don't want to force someone to opt in. Right. Oh, interesting. interesting. Okay, if, if life was pleasurable, would you still be an antinatalist? If it was pleasurable, maybe because like humans are selfish, and I would like use as a reason to be like, "Oh, it's okay." So I would probably do it. Yeah, I I really like your point that regardless of pleasure or pain, it's still an unethical contract Mm -hmm. to be forcefully opted into something that (laughs) doesn't have an off button. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing immature about that. I feel like that's characterized as like a 13 year old girl. You know, like I didn't ask to be here, but like, that's actually a really, really like profound thought in the definition that Bobo gave where there's a distinction between uh, starting life and continuing life. I think that's really interesting when you view life as just a bad movie. And it's like, we can, we are halfway through, you're in like the second act, and it's like, we will keep watching it. But it would be unethical yeah. to start this again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, th- and I think like that's another part of the contract that's really messed up. Um, but to answer your question, um, there's this great show. I'm sure a lot of people listening have seen it. Maybe you guys have seen it. It's called True Detective. And, um, the, uh, one of the main characters, uh, he doesn't use the word antinatalism, but he goes on this long speech about how consciousness is the biggest misstep in human evolution. Like the idea that you are a person, the development of like the frontal cortex and feeling separate from other things. And that the only ethical thing to do is for this to be the last generation of Homo sapien and for us to all hold hands into the abyss. It doesn't have to be painful. It doesn't have to be suffering. It doesn't have to be any of that. Mm. But the most ethical thing we could do um, in relation to everything else on this planet is to make sure that we are the last generation of humans. 
Mm. Um, and I think there's something really beautiful and poetic about that. And I think it would give a lot of meaning to life to know that you can't just like throw your problems on the next generation. Yeah, that's well done for you. When did you become an antinatalist and why? I'm not sure if I so much I identify with the term, but I think my biggest thing is humans as they exist now. I have no interest in and I would really like for this to be the last generation of this model of homo sapien, like running this iOS of like individualism and capitalism and protectionism and, and patriarchy and all of these things. I, I, I would mm. really like if this would be the last generation of homo sapien, but I do have hope in like something potentially to come after. And I don't think that has to derive from humans. It could also mm. just be like, you know, animals living much more fulfilling lives with us gone, nature living much more fulfilling lives with us gone, AI potentially living much more um, fulfilling lives with us gone. But I think personally, it's either humans need to go entirely or we need to evolve into something that deserves to be here. <laughs> and Ooh, that's, that's pretty that much where I'm at. deserves to be here. Yeah. Okay. No, that's really interesting. I have a million questions right now. Um, I want to talk about what Leah said about consent because that's a really interesting yeah, point. Yeah, for sure. Where we did not consent to be here. But I also feel like there's an asymmetry in that argument because you're right. We, did, we actually didn't consent to be here and now we're here and it sucks <laughs> for most of us. Um, for anyone with like any semblance of consciousness or empathy, like this shit kind of sucks. But you have to be here in order to consent. So wow. how like how do we Yeah, but if you, you can, know what I mean? But yeah, so like people will say that and so okay, ask your kid when they're like six if they're if they want to be here. And but if they don't, they can't leave still. There's no opt out <laughs> option. So you're gonna bring them here and ask yeah. them what are you gonna do when they say no? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, would life be ethical for you if we legalize euthanasia at all ages? Like, if we allowed everyone to go out, peace, like, you can sit on a chair and you will go out no pain, like, there's no pain. You just sit on a chair and you slowly dissolve out of consciousness at any moment. If life had a painless off button, would it be ethical to bring humans or any sentient being into existence? I still think it's not ethical because they still had to come here and then go through the pain of having to deal with that decision <laughs> as well. <laughs> so just don't yeah. bring them here. Yeah, you're like full on, like, nope, nope. <laughs> no, I love it. I love, I love it. it. Oh, and I take back my if life was pleasurable, maybe I bring a kid here. No, because it's still wrong. <laughs> like, they didn't, they didn't ask to be here. Because you can still be, you can still have like dread of being here even if the world is pleasurable because it's not pleasurable to yeah. you oh no so that's what i mean if you okay so let's say you had a kid and your kid was so compatible with capitalism mm -hmm. they loved it they were just i don't know donald trump mm -hmm. but like not as bad if you had a kid who really enjoyed being alive because yeah. they were so compatible with this mode of existence mm -hmm. is it more ethical like 
does that justify their existence? No, because it's still a what if thing. Like, what if they weren't like compatible with capitalism? Like, sure. Oh, it's the probability. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think. Um, oh. I think something that's like really important. Um, because I I really hate when people make out these arguments to be like, oh, that's so depressing or, oh, that's so nihilistic. Like, I view this as a pro-life argument. Like, in yeah, the, sen- no, in the yeah. sense of like, remember when the virus first started and like, there were like, you know, animals swimming in like the canals in Venice. It's like, oh, nature is returning. And it's like, guys, don't yeah. stop there. <laughs> what, 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 if, what if we just stopped in time? Like, nature would thrive. This planet would yeah. be beautiful. There might be a race of intelligent life that replaces us that actually has mm. solved individualism and all of these things that plague us. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I think human ego, that thing we're talking about, uh, consciousness being the tragic mistake and individualism and all these things, can't even a fathom a world where our death leads to a much a more pro-life society. But I can and I think deep down we know that and we have this huge guilt and that guilt could be reconciled by embracing antinatalism and being like, hey, guys, we're going to make, you know, infinitely more progress than the Green New Deal or any environmental by just accepting that, like, we are going to be the last generation on this planet to, like, plague this planet. But I feel like it's it's really hard for people to accept because... As a human, they don't want to, they can't reconcile the fact that they are the problem. Okay, so by definition, antinatalism says that all sentient, to bring any sentient life is unethical. Mm-hmm. Do you guys believe that is unethical or is it just unethical to bring humans into existence? I don't think I should micromanage other species. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I don't you're really... staying out of dogs' business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't um, like. I don't. I, I've never thought about antinatalism towards that. animals. I'm just like thinking yeah. about humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what does it say that humans are the only animals who choose to take their own life? Like, like I think mm. that is the biggest reason to not micromanage other species because they were doing fine, and in our absence is when they thrive. And we're sort of just acting as this like carcinogenic force that's depleting the earth of all of its resources. And yeah. without us, then maybe life, life starts at our end, maybe, you know? Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. like, but once again, like the, the human ego is really the like antithesis of antinatalism because like to be an antinatalist is to just have accepted like, hey guys, we're not a hot shit. Like we're we're really yeah. not like not only are <laughs> we not that great, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're actually actively terrorizing every other sentient life on this planet. Um, Have you both heard of the term ecofascism? I've, I've heard of heard it, it, but I've never like got into mm-hmm. the definition Same. or anything. Yeah, I mean, there was one girl who called me an ecofascist when I I was talking about antinatalism on my story once it was around the time that corona began and like yeah nature was returning (laughs) nature is healing um and yeah i was just talking about like look at how the absence of human beings positively affects like 
the planet Earth. Like, look yeah. at just. I had I'd actually use the quote that you used in the beginning of this episode, Don. Um, that like human consciousness must be an evolutionary misstep because mm-hmm. look at humans' effect on the planet. And someone called me an eco-fascist, which I believe is the idea that like if you believe that humans should not exist, then you are a fascist towards the environment like you are you are doing hitler like call me mussolini doing... like i don't know like that doesn't yeah, like, that doesn't penetrate like that doesn't change my mind <laughs> that at doesn't all. really um, hurt me either like i really don't <laughs> yeah. care can you can you get like tell her to just get better insults i don't know i i think that there's so much entitlement in that like to mm. it, it's what trump does where it's like like to demonize a group for yeah. being anti-fascist and and turning that into now like a terrorist organization because yeah, it comes yeah, from the yeah. assumption that this great 4.5 billion year old planet of ours is for our consumption some yeah. upright primates that have been around for 204,000 years so this thing that has existed for 4.5 billion years that we've only been here for 200,000 years is somehow for our consumption for our productivity mm. for our expansion for our joy for our pleasure that is like the fundamental narcissistic lie at the center of humanity that like we're all trying to reconcile by making ourselves seem important but like this planet was here for literal billions of years before us it'll be here for literal billions of years after us it's not that deep and we're not that special (laughs) i think i think the eco-fascist argument is that the problem is not humans the problem is capitalism to which i always respond but who who is doing capitalism yeah. like if not humans but what are your like for the both of you what is your take on that is it's a chicken or egg question mm-hmm. are humans trash because of capitalism or is capitalism trash because of humans is essentially like the argument between antinatalists and the people who accuse antinatalists of being eco-fascists Mm-hmm. I think just humans are trash from the start, and then we <laughs> created everything, so yeah. we put our trash onto everything that we do. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think here's where uh, that argument can maybe get to me a bit because my curiosity is, you know, humans were here for two hundred thousand years before we developed mm-hmm. these complex civilizations that like basically drained the world of all of its resources and oppressed all these other sentient beings maybe that race of like homo sapien was worth saving just the people who like chilled out in like central and south africa and minded their own business and Mm. hunted and gathered because i think the fundamental thing that is unethical about humanity which i think a lot of vegans have realized is like it's it's not even that it's unethical to kill a bison. It's that why does the bison never get to kill you? Like, why doesn't like the circle of life flow naturally? Yeah. And yeah. I spent a bit of time with this like Native American community once and 
that's why they can justify eating meat because they say like, you know, like when their ancestors were on this continent, the bison would win some time. The buffalo would win some time. Like the, mm. the grizzly bear would win some time. And that's what all makes this thing fair, fair. You know, once like capitalism and the agricultural revolution happens, that's the point to which humanity became not worth saving to me. But in my opinion mm. of the chicken or the egg argument between like the merit of humanity versus capitalism, I think it's it's kind of hard to reconcile because we actually don't have the information about humanity before civilization. But my argument is that if any humans were worth saving, they would have been the humans that existed before Facts. mass yeah. civilization. Mm. Yeah, no, I would agree with that entirely. I do think that the problem is capitalism, but I... I I think that humans are irredeemable at this point. Like, yeah. at yeah. this point, humans will never give up capitalism in favor of a simpler life, despite the fact that it would benefit them in every way imaginable. Like, yeah. we would all benefit from living communally, from mm. dismantling capitalism, from dismantling social media. Like, all of these systems that all of our lives are entangled into, we would all benefit from destroying. But we are so attached to our own misery because the foundation of human consciousness is yeah. dissatisfaction. And because of yeah. that, humans simply never will. So I think like it's, it's actually redundant to ask, is it capitalism or is it humans that are trash? Because yeah. at this point, capitalism and humans are one in the same. Yeah. So Exactly. But do you guys, here's a question for both of you. Mm. Do you guys feel like humans invented capitalism or were humans just the mammals that became advanced enough to turn capitalism into our giant meteor? Was it just the, mm. the mammals that became advanced enough to use capitalism as our own means of self-destruction? Because if you look at like a dog a litter of puppies fighting for milk from their mom, there will be a puppy who like pushes the other away, you know, make sure that they get, you know, more milk than everyone else. Like, I feel like a scarcity mindset is basically innate to all mammals. Humans just became developed enough to make Amazon. <laughs> but like, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm not sure if we're alone in being plagued by whatever this like innate tendency towards capitalism is but we're certainly the ones who pushed it to a point where we're unredeemable um because dogs can't push it there like uh, uh cats won't push it there birds won't push it there do they have a scarcity mindset mindset that's innate to them sure but they won't colonize africa you know what i mean like mm, yeah, there's no yeah. like need for them to go that far beyond when their stomachs are full um, and I think that's where consciousness and the frontal cortex became the thing that made us irredeemable. Interesting. I don't know, Leah, what do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree with that, which it just makes me think like we need to eliminate us now because <laughs> <laughs> she's like, no, immediately. <laughs> yes. There's just no like, Going back, even if we, like, took all the humans out and there's one baby in the world, that baby is still <laughs> going to end up doing the same things because it has the oh, ability. Oh, interesting. Okay, because it has a prefrontal cortex. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. still... Okay, so Leah, 
in your opinion, should we kill humans or should we just stop having children and uh, and just like go extinct gradually? Yeah, gradually. I'm not going to be like, we all need to kill ourselves right now. <laughs> but I will offer yeah. euthanasia under my dictatorship. <laughs> yes! Joint dictatorship. Let's go. Leah's policy is just like, I'm not going to force you, but ASAP. Like, per, like yeah. per my last email, if we could just follow up on this. Um, okay, so here's, here's, I feel like, where I might disagree with you guys. Because, mm. I, because I'm a clown. Um, I have <laughs> hope, a little bit of hope oh, left in here. Oh, brother. <laughs> oh, brother, this guy stinks. No. Um, okay, oh, no, but- not hope. Wait, why do you have hope? <laughs> See, that's the problem. Okay. Hope is what keeps everything going. Yeah, exactly. I say this every episode. Hope is so unethical. Like, okay. No, let go on. Let okay. me let you land. My hope is not in humanity. It is in a tool that could be created by humanity and eventually surpass them ethically, morally, and cognitively. So what I'm saying is in the same way we fix cats and fix dogs and neuter them to be something more that we want them to be, what if there were to be some magical psychedelic drug that effectively mutes the frontal cortex and physically makes us feel mentally as well as if we are a collective conscious And there is no more individualism and there is no more hoarding of resources or capitalism because we essentially don't feel like separate beings. We all feel as if we were one being. Mm -hmm. And what if humans were able to get to that point through biological evolution, through a device, through something? Do you think humanity would be worth saving if we were to find a way not only to live harmoniously with each other through a biological you know, catalyst, but also harmoniously with nature and animals. Thank you for listening to the first half of this conversation. If you're interested in listening to the rest of this conversation, you will find it on Patreon. So please support my Patreon. You can go to patreon.com slash Bobo's Void, or you can just click on the link in the description box below. If you enjoyed this conversation, I'll be having so many more of these types of conversation with different friends, with different strangers, with all types of interesting people, and sometimes just conversing with myself. If you are interested in philosophy, politics, race, all the things, I'll be hosting all the conversations on my Patreon. So patreon.com slash bobo's void or just click on the description box below and support me thank you